For the love of dogs with Dennis Wolf. Hey, everybody. It is New Year's Eve. Woohoo! And I was just talking to my amazing engineer, Don, and telling him as I got my puppies in, I have four little Rhodesian Ridgeback puppies. They're actually not little, they're like 75 pounds already. Uh, but they're seven months old. And I had to get them in quickly. And all I do is open the door. And I tell them go to their room, and they run through my house and find their their bedroom, which uh, with nine bedrooms and four floors of the house is not an easy feat. But they go up there and they run into their room or they trot into their room. They wait patiently while I put each one into their own section, give them a little bit of food, and no chaos, no crazies. And I have people who call me and say, Janice. My dog won't come when I call him. Well, guess what? Why should he come? You're the hired help. That's what we're going to talk about today. New Year's resolutions. We are going to change the way we're treating our dogs. Not being mean to them and not dominating them and not bribing them. Be their parents. I think that's the biggest misconception with people, not with myself. But with other, like even like your local obedience trainer, your local person who says there are behaviors but really isn't, they're just your local obedience trainer, um, they want to charge more. I, I am a cynic. I, you, I have the greatest of faith in many people and very little faith in many people. I want you to all change the way you're treating your dogs. Stop treating them like they're your babies. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a good way. A baby cannot understand a consequence. A baby hasn't learned what behavior is proper yet. Don't treat your dogs like they're immature, like they don't understand. Yes, age appropriate, of course. So if you do have a puppy and an eight-week-old puppy, for example, then yes, you treat that eight-week-old puppy like an eight-month-old baby. I think, and it's pretty obvious, that the first year of a puppy's life is really one month for every one year of a human. So when you take a puppy that's two to four weeks old, they cannot possibly, cannot, from the time they're born until they're a month old, they cannot hold their urine. They got to go, they got to go. You can yell at them and scream at them. Please don't. But you can try to bribe them into being housebroken, their bodies are not mature enough to be able to hold their urine. Did you know that puppies can only hold their urine for about one hour for every month old they are? So if you have a two-month-old puppy, don't try to get him to go all, all night long. Maybe he can make it. Maybe by the grace of God, he can go for four hours. But don't count that as your norm. You have to assume that the dog can only age appropriately, handle certain things at certain phases of life. So don't treat your dog like a baby. Treat your dog age appropriately like you would handle a baby or a young child or a teenager. Well, God knows those you handle differently. Well, so think about a four-month-old puppy. is like a four-year-old child. So a four-month-old puppy starts to understand that there's a consequence to things. Don't treat the four-month-old puppy like a baby. 
because the four-month-old puppy is beyond that. You can treat that four-month-old puppy like a four-year-old child. How about a six-month-old puppy? A six-month-old puppy is like a six-year-old child. Think about that. They're in first grade by that age. And they're not only in first grade, but they're sitting there. They might have a little homework. They're learning penmanship. They're learning skills. They're learning not to talk out of time. Uh, they're learning to study. They're learning to listen and follow directions. So why are you treating your six-month-old puppy like a baby? Treat your six-month-old puppy like you would treat a six-month, a six-year-old child. How about a nine-month-old puppy? Well, now a nine-month-old puppy is like a nine-year-old child. Why are you treating your nine-month-old child like a baby? Why are you treating your nine-month-old puppy like a baby? We have to grow with our dogs, and I think that's one of the biggest issues. And I've been saying this for, God knows, too many years, too many years, that you have to treat your animals like you would treat your kids. It's fine to treat your dog if somebody says, Oh, I treat my dog just like I treat my kids. Perfect. Yay. Let's throw a party and have some fireworks, which, by the way, we'll talk about later because you know somebody, of one of your neighbors is going to blow fireworks off in the midnight and your dog's going to have a, a hissy fit. But we're going to talk about that. So the first year of your puppy's life is one month equals one year. So by the time your puppy is one year old, puppy probably looks pretty darn close to being adult. And you say, well, I expect him to be perfect. Is your 12-year-old child perfect? I mean, they're tall. They're over five feet. They might be closer to six feet. They're still 12. So think where would you place that emphasis on when can you start expecting your puppy? And this is a general rule. When can you expect your puppy? to be mature enough to understand consequences. Not that you're not going to teach them just like they would learn in school, but you're going to teach them and your expectations until I would say they're a year and a half to two years old, which correlates to 18 to 24 years of age in in a human. So stop treating your dog like a baby. Treat your dog age appropriately, what he can handle what she is able to understand. It doesn't mean you're not asking them to behave well. doesn't mean you're not trying to housebreak them. But when they're nine weeks old or 10 weeks old, they simply cannot do it. Think about when you, you're listening right now, think about what did you do when you, what could you do when you were two months old? Heck, you couldn't even hold your own head up. Forget about wiping yourself. So if you couldn't hold your head up, I mean, were you potty trained? Think about how old kids are when they're potty trained. You're a year old. Well, you can look, you can understand, you can listen, you can laugh, you can eat, you know, with your own hands. Does that mean that your digestive tract and that your urinary tract is able to hold on to, you know, urine and feces? Or is that kind of like comes later, right? So you're not going to have a one-year-old child who's, ha- who's potty trained. Like, you may not have a one-year-old dog who's 100% perfect. And it's something you have to understand. Things happen every single month 
and there's stages of development. There's ways to do it. And it's not by yelling. And listen, I'm the, I'm, I'm the first one to say, you know, when a dog does something, sometimes they catch you off guard. They jump on you. Not my own, but, you know, a dog jumps on me. I may turn around and go, hey, because in that moment I'm thinking, hey, somebody just jumped on or pushed me. And then I look, I see it's a dog, and I'm like, all right, let's work on this. But if it were a human or it's a dog, I'm going to have the same reaction. I'm not yelling because it's a dog. Not that I yell much, but um, at people I I could, but not at dogs or horses. Um, But the idea being you want to treat the puppy the same way or the adult dog the same way you would treat age appropriately to that person. You know how everyone says, oh, yeah, golden retrievers, they're the best dogs in the world. Yeah, once they're five years old. So think about a kid with ADD or ADHD. And think about that child at, well, five years is roughly a dog year, 35. Would you say a 35-year-old probably calmed down a fair amount from ADD, ADHD? I would say so. But let's say a dog who's one-year-old, so a puppy who's correlating to a roughly 12-year-old child. Uh, yeah, ADD, ADHD. Yeah, that dog or kid is going to still probably have that same issue. As they get older, they calm down, but that you also have to give, like you would give your child, rules and, you know, guidelines to follow. You would give your child that support. You would make sure that the child understood that there was a consequence. It doesn't mean that you're punishing them. It doesn't mean that you're being cruel or hitting them, God forbid, or hurting them. It just means there's a consequence. There's a consequence to everything. Think about, we talked a couple weeks ago, think about what is the consequence for running a stop sign or a red light? And most of you are going to say, well, you get a ticket. No, remember we talked about this. The consequence is you could get killed or worse, you could kill someone else. Vehicular manslaughter. That is not cool. You do not want that. So the whole thing with a dog is why do we expect, first we treat them like babies, like they're completely inane, that they're completely like devoid of any ability to do anything. But then when they do something badly, you, you're you like, you know, throwing things at them and yelling and shaking penny cans and squirting them in the face and zapping them with a bark collar or, you know, holding them up like this one, uh, excuse my French, asshole who likes to, and I'm, there are many of these guys, and it's always guys, They pick them up by a choker chain and they hold them up until they're almost choked off. Why would you do that? Unless you're a sick, really deranged individual, why would you do that to a dog? Well, you know why? Because you're not bright enough to analyze it and figure out why the dog is doing that. So what I do with natural canine behavior rehabilitation, NCBR, is I analyze the dog's brain. I don't care what the body does. Because when you go, and some of you guys have dogs that are just awesome obedience dogs, you can have them sit, and they can lie down, and they can give left paw, right paw, circle around, roll over, ride a skateboard. 
And then you call me because the dog is aggressive and bit your three-year-old in the face. So really, what good are all those tricks? They're just tricks. They're nothing. It's like a, a person who cheats on their spouse or significant other and brings home a dozen roses to apologize. How about we talk about the relationship and why you feel the need to go elsewhere before you do it? That's where behaviors go very, very different from obedience or training. So when somebody says to you, oh, yeah, you know, your dog is getting aggressive, that is not an obedience issue. An obedience issue is sometimes your dog won't walk well on a leash. Potty training can be an obedience issue. Um, not sitting when you tell them to. Yeah, that's an obedience issue. But, you know, I've never, ever seen on a cage card in a shelter or heard in a rescue, this dog was relinquished to the shelter, excuse me, hum, 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 rehomed. Yeah, I love that word. Rehomed because he wouldn't sit on command. You ever see that? Oh, well, no, no, this dog was relinquished to this shelter because he would only give his right paw, but he would not give his left paw. Never, ever happened. So why is it that you bother, not that you, know, not that you can't do it, because it's a fun thing, and I have many of my good friends, one of my friends is the top obedience trainer in the country. I mean, really, and then I have somebody else, two other people who train dogs for shows and Broadway and movies and TV. I mean, these people are the best of the best, and I know the best of the best. But you know what? They'll call me when they have a dog they can't fix because they're dealing with, on a very high level, the body position of the dog, not the state of mind. Behavior is dealing with the brain. If a dog bites somebody or lunges at somebody or tries to attack another animal, you don't go to an obedience trainer to teach the dog to sit because it's not the problem that the dog can't sit. It's the problem that the dog's brain is not wired properly, and you have to teach the dog either how to behave in that situation or, better yet, find out if there is something either medically wrong or something in the way the dog's thought processes. And normally what will happen is the dog thinks differently than you do. The dog will look at something and say, oh, there's another dog. Well, I'm off leash, so that means I don't have to protect mom who's holding me by the leash. Mom doesn't need me to protect her because I'm not on the leash between mom and the other dog. So that must mean that dog's okay and I can play. And all of a sudden your dog's playing with the other dog. You take that same dog, put that dog on a leash, that dog is going to try to attack every other dog because it's trying to protect you. That is behavior that is not obedience. Obedience changes body position. Behavior changes state of mind. So I ask you a question. I ask people all the time. When a dog bites someone or bites another dog, what part of the dog bites the other person or dog? What, what part of the body? And everyone says, the teeth. No. And they go, oh, oh, the mouth. No. And then they stop and they say, yeah, the teeth, the mouth, the jaw. And, and I mean, we'll sit there and they'll go through. It's like, you know, the, the thigh bones connected to the knee bone. I mean, how long are we going to go? No. 
What part of the body controls behavior? Hello, the brain. So why are you making a dog sit or telling it to leave it? Teach it with its brain, which is the most powerful thing we have as humans. Most of us have brains, and most of us can use them relatively well. So if we teach the dog instead of, you know, you're going to do this and this, and I'm going to demand this because I'm an ogre, and I am going to make you sit down on the hot pavement because there's a dog coming. Well, why would you do that? Why not teach the dog before that situation arises? Teach him, hey, you're my kid. I'm not your kid. You don't protect me. I protect you. And when you teach them, and yes, there's a way, of course, to do that. You can call our 800 number, 855-449-9288. Or you can um, get one of my books, but the the best one, um, coming out with a new one next year, 2022, um, I just need a week or two to sit down to dictate it because that's what I do. I just write it in my head and I dictate it. The last one was called Happens, S-H-H-H, Happens. Dog Behavior 101 by Janice Wolf, and it's an ebook. It's like $9.99, and I made it really inexpensive because I don't really need the money. I give it all to the chari- my charity anyway, but the reason I made it inexpensive is because I want everybody to afford, be able to afford that copy, and it's on an ebook, so you can get it on a Kindle. There's free Kindle software. You can get it on your computer, your phone, anywhere, tablet, whatever. But in that book, it actually teaches you. It doesn't teach you about me. You don't care about me when your dog just bit your kid in the face. You care about how do I fix my dog? What do I do? What do I change to get my dog to understand that my child is not a pincushion? He's not allowed to bite my kid. But think about all the things that you didn't do. Now, I've had... I can't, like just this season, there's, I think I have about eight or nine of my patients um, are going to be dealing with babies now. Everybody's pregnant during COVID because there was no cable TV apparently for a long time, and now everyone's pregnant. So thinking about it for a moment, let's just say that puppy, that dog, has been with you the whole time. Sometimes he growls, maybe barks at other dogs. Maybe he growls at another dog that gets too close to his toy, but he's never gone after a kid, right? So you figure, eh, it's pretty good. I guess we don't have to worry about anything at all. No, because this screaming little baby human that God only knows how we entrust a human being to a a, a kid, a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, I mean, you're taking care of another human on such a level that it's it's mind-blowing. And you just expect the dog to say, oh, okay, you had a baby. They don't know that that was a baby. They don't know that that's a human. They don't understand the whole concept of, you know, what has to be and of what, you know, what needs to be done. They just don't get it. It's not that they can't understand it. It's that they don't understand it. So that's why it's up to you guys when you are going to have a baby. And I have actually seminars um, that we give. Um, You'll 
be really blown away when you see what we do. But we go month by month what to do and what to expect. And it's not typically crazy. It's not the dogs that have had problems before who have problems with babies. And it's usually not the first six or eight months. It's once that baby, not the crying part, because when they're little, little, they have that little coo sound. But as they get older, yeah, it's, uh, they got some vocal cords in there. So they're usually fine, these dogs, until the baby starts doing what? Walking, toddling. So somewhere in that 11, 12 months, sometimes 10 months, they're on those little baby walkers, and they finally have gotten strong enough to be on their little baby walkers. And now all of a sudden, they start walking, and they fall down. And what happens? What do they always have been a fall on? The dog. So you have to teach your dog before you ever, ever, ever get to that point that he needs to yield and move out of the baby's way. So it's the same thing with the spaces, respect, understanding that the dog has to move out of your way. Therefore, the dog has to move out of the baby's way. How is he going to bite your kid when your kid falls on him when he sees your kid and walks away and goes into the other room when your toddler falls? Well, that's the point. So there are so many different ways that you can really kind of handle this in, in different different methods. But I think the most important part of this is really to make sure that you understand what the difference between obedience and behavior is. And if somebody's using clickers or cookies or treats or or prong collars, shot collars, choker chains, that is not behavior. You can they can say, well I'm a behaviorist. No, you're not. A behaviorist is a psychiatrist. A behavior is a social worker. A behaviorist is a psychologist. A behaviorist is not honey boo boo school of obedience training or, you know, think of like whoever the worst mass murderer was, um, you know, school of, you know, you're going to listen to me, damn it. No. Think of your dog age appropriately. Think of what your dog needs. How does your dog see the world? How does he perceive that baby? Does he understand that that baby is, you know, a human that he needs to respect and listen to and move out of the way? Or does he think that that baby is screaming and hurting his mommy who might be feeding the baby? Well, that's why we look at things because we're humans in a totally different way than a dog does. The dog might look at the baby screaming or making noises as he's nursing or, or has a bottle as, oh, my God, that baby's, that thing is, look, it's, it's hurting, it's biting my mom. Oh, my God, look at it. It's, look what it's doing. Instead of you taking time before you give birth and that whole first couple of years, I really told the kids are about two and a half, three years old, you got to be teaching the dog all the time. That doesn't mean you're going to be doing that 24-7. But I'm sure every day you're going to have an opportunity. And when you get that opportunity, take it and use it as a training moment, as a behavioral expertise moment, like where you can look and you can say, wow, you know, the dog I don't think understood that the baby's walking and he needs to get out of the way. Well, there are things that we can do 
and that you can contact us. You can actually uh, contact me via the phone number, the 855-449-9288. It's really scary, though, to me, the volume of people recently who have had dogs biting kids in the face. And most of them are very small dogs, 10 pounds. There's one that was about 8 pounds, 30 pounds. And my first question to people when they call me, they go, oh, I, I'm going to have to put my dog to sleep. He just bit my son in the, in the face. And my first question is, your dog weighs 12 pounds. Your son is, you know, 8 years old. What was your son's face doing by the dog's mouth? Well, you know, he was jumping on the couch and he landed on the dog's leg. The dog has a bad ACL, a bad knee, even a CCL. And, and, you know, it's definitely painful. And he landed on and fell on the dog and the dog jumped up and bit him in the face. Well, how about teaching your child not to be jumping on the furniture and bouncing on a dog who's laying there sleeping? That would be good parenting. And I'm not judging anybody, but I'm judging every single person because I'm saying, why do dogs get euthanized for the vast majority of times? Because of stupid people and kids who are not supervised and who were never taught by their parents or by a professional how to deal with an animal. Animals aren't like people. If you have a bad back, or you have sciatic, or you have fibromyalgia, or you have a broken shoulder, you as a human know, you understand that that pain is coming from your shoulder, your, your knee, your hip, your you know, chest, your head, whatever. You understand that that is where that pain is emanating. However, a dog doesn't think like that. A dog feels pain, for instance, the ACL, CCL, And the dog feels pain, and what's right there? In this case, the child did cause the pain, but you see what I'm saying? If the child, let's say the child jumped up and wasn't landing on the dog, but was near the dog, so didn't hurt the dog, and then the dog feels the pain because he's got a bad knee, and now the dog looks at your child who's bouncing on the furniture, and thinks, oh, my gosh, you just hurt me. And there the the dog goes. The dog bites or does whatever. And then dog goes first thing Monday morning to be euthanized. The parents don't tell the kid that the dog is euthanized. They say, he's going to a farm. He's going to live with lots of other animals over the Rainbow Bridge. It's a beautiful farm. It's called the Rainbow Bridge Farm. Why are we killing dogs when we should be teaching children? Come on, people. Things like this happen all the time. Let's teach our dogs. Don't treat them like babies. Treat them age appropriately like you would treat an age-appropriate first grader, second grader, fourth grader, whatever. So we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with from Shelter Dog to Service Dog in just a moment. Stay tuned. I'm fired up, and here we go. Oh, my gosh. We're fired up today for the new year, and please don't say 
I just want 2022 to be better than 2021. How about we do this? How about we make 2022 better than 2021? Yes, 2021 was supposed to be the year that was going to be better after 2020. It didn't do that. It's actually probably worse. So everybody knows, for some reason, everything died. Everybody was in the hospital. Everybody lost somebody. Not necessarily COVID. But people are just so darn nasty to each other. Now, I think personally, personal responsibility has nothing to do with a pandemic. Pushing somebody out of the way to take something that's theirs is not acceptable. What we all have to do in the words of my friend Carl, who owns a Chinese restaurant, just be nice. Just be nice. That's all we need to do. Be nice. If you see somebody doing something stupid, trying to kill you on the highway, don't road rage against them. They're going to get killed because they're going to kill themselves driving. The only thing we can hope and pray is that when they're driving and going to get themselves killed, that they don't have somebody else either in the car with them or that they hit somebody else. Hopefully, they just go because then the problem's gone. And if all those people do that, then there won't be any more bad drivers, right? But the problem is people don't learn because everyone's got a Superman complex. And look what happened to Superman, right? So if you look and you say to yourself, all right, you know, I've, I've got this, you know, I've got a good life. I got a house. I got family, blah, blah, blah. If you have that, Think about, you have a lot to lose, right? You have a lot to lose. And try to think of life as not losing what you have versus gaining more stuff. Do you really need more stuff? Honestly, you don't need more stuff. Stuff is stuff. If there's a fire, you don't go in and get your stuff. You go and get your kids. You bring your wife out or husband or if you like that. Uh, if, if you're getting along well with them, I'm assuming they would come slightly, uh, slightly before, um, you know, you would take the, uh, you know, your favorite tennis socks. But w- the problem is that in this environment, a lot of people have been buying these ridiculously expensive mutts, these designer disasters, as I call them. And I don't dislike the dogs. I can't stand the poor genetics. I've had more people with kids getting bitten or dogs having extensive medical conditions, dogs having horrible anxiety, horrible, just just off-the-wall behavioral issues, aggression and everything, because the people breeding these dogs, these designer things, are just in it to make money. So right now... If you're looking to say, oh, you know, my, I got my kids a dog for Christmas, just think about it. You just had a new baby. It's not a dog now. You want to treat your dog like a baby? You can treat your dog like a baby. You just had a baby, okay? And that puppy is a baby human. What would happen if you were unkind to the baby human? Well, diapers would come. Guess what? You might go to jail. You would lose your child. But you won't lose your puppy. But think of it that way. Think of how important it is for a dog to be able to have a life whereby he 
feels comfortable. He feels like he he belongs. He understands. He knows. When you say that, like, well, I don't want my dog to have to worry about things. I want him to be comfortable. Well, the reason that we are comfortable in life is that we have, and our parents before us, have taught ourselves, taught each other, taught kids, all the important parts of life, which is, you know, to respect each other, like the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So if we're being cruel to each other and cutting each other off and road raging at each other, does that mean your life means nothing? So in other words, your life must be extremely inconsequential. Your life must mean nothing. And nobody in the whole world cares about you because that's why you're throwing away the only life you have. And I'm going to get into the dogs in a moment with this. And... You know, you're, if you want to go kill yourself, you go kill yourself. And I don't mean that to people who are suicidal because I deal with a lot of kids, a lot of trans kids and such, and, and just kids with PTSD and other issues that, you know, they are, I, I talk them out, I talk them down. But if you are just that arrogant and that just useless as a human being, you have nothing at all in your life that's important, nobody who cares about you who would be devastated for whatever God-forsaken reason, that you're dead. Just think about it this way. Who are you going to kill on the way? Well, now let's go into the dogs. Let's go the, the people who drive like garbage and, and recklessly and don't care. People who have a dog, you have the same liability if that dog bites or gets runs out into the street and attacks another dog or, or a child, God forbid that you have that same liability and same responsibility. I don't care if it's, there's a law. I care about what the big guy upstairs says and what he's watching. And if you don't believe in God, that's fine. Then it's the law. Like, what's going to happen? You're going to get sued and lose your stuff. Your dog runs out because you refuse to teach him to set uh, boundaries and rules and goals for this dog, age appropriate. And guess what? If your dog does something, you deserve it. Now, it doesn't mean that every person who has a dog created that. A lot of people got rescue dogs. A lot of people get dogs with faulty genetics. They do the best they can, but they just didn't know. I kind of still blame you because you should have gotten help. Some people go out and they'll get four, five, six, seven local obedience trainers. They'll find the local, ooh, this guy trains police dogs. Well, that is not a good person to work with your Maltese who's aggressive. Because it's a whole different thing. And I have decades of police canine training under my belt. So I, yes, I am an expert in that. And police canine is about making a dog bite. And it's not about teaching the dog rules to not bite. Although in the higher levels it is because you have to recall the dog when you send it out to go get whatever you know, the dog, you know, you're sending the dog out after a, a perpetrator and when he's going at the perp and then all of a sudden a, a child or a mother with a, a, a little kid next to her walks in that path, you have to be able to recall that dog. And if you don't, that's a big problem because the dog will hit on the thing that is closest to it. So, yeah, that's a problem. But other than that, you need to teach your dog manners, age-appropriate, and you need to 
be sensitive to the fact that he's not going to get it the first time, maybe not going to get it the 10th time. Some of these poodle mixes, you would think with the poodle in them, they'd be so bright. A lot of them that are dumb as rocks. And you may have to do something 200 times before that dog gets it. But you know what? Not everybody out there was a straight A plus, you know, valedictorian. Um, other kids, you know, they, they graduated high school with me, right? They all graduated. That they didn't graduate at number one, but it doesn't matter because you graduated. And you have to look at that with your dogs. It doesn't have to be the best behaved dog in the world. It just has to be able to understand and to behave well enough to live comfortably in your home. You have to make sure that you give your dog rules, that you give your dog the basically the consistency of understanding what you expect from him or her. Now, let's talk for a moment. We're going to talk a little bit about, even though it's shelter dog to service dog, we're going to talk a little about fireworks tonight. That's going to start happening in about four hours. Uh, And what we want to do is make sure that I would put, if you have a dog who's sensitive to fireworks or it's a puppy, I would put some music on, which is always a great thing, put some music on, that has a little bit of bass, like a little bit of drum or something in it, so that the dog gets used to the little bit of banging sound. Don't put it on crazy loud, but loud enough that you can hear that, that the the, uh, banging sound is crystal clear to the dog. And then you sit down, you do what you do. If the dog starts to get really anxious and trotting around and acting out and isn't really uh, what you need, it to be doing, then, you know, you've got to be able to, um, you know, really make sure that, that the understanding is there of what the dog is going through. So the dog thinks is a major thunderstorm. When he hears all the banging and all the fireworks, remember fireworks, it's not only a sound, fireworks actually also create vibrations. And what does thunder create? What does an earthquake create? Vibrations. So that's why fireworks, why so many dogs are afraid, because the dog thinks that it's a storm. It's a firework. So if it's fireworks, the dog isn't saying, oh, look how pretty the lights are. The dog sees lightning and thunder. That's because he's a dog. So it is really, really very, very important for everybody to understand how a dog thinks and what the dog does. If you understand what the dog is doing and you decide that you're going to find, um, you know, the right thing to do to help your dog through this with the fireworks this year, then make sure that you start preparing him. You should really be preparing the dog in about April or May for July 4th, and you should be doing a little something every day, just making a little noise, Dropping things, I mean, don't drop something that's going to break, obviously, unless you don't like it and you just want a new one. But, you know, the idea being make sure that you are, um, you know, trying to um, get yourself into the right place and, you know, trying to understand what you're supposed to be doing. So it is really, really important when you are starting to understand why the dog is doing what it's doing, 
you have to be able to understand not only why, but how to replace it, how to fix it, how to stop it, because the dog is just reacting. It's a reflex. He's reacting to what he thinks is happening, which means that it's it's loud, it's a storm, and what do dogs do? They get under things in a storm, right? The dog, if they hear something banging, clanging, they go underneath things, right? They go into a place. What do we do if we're outside and there's a thunderstorm? Try to get into a building. Try to get under something, right, um, other than a tree. Um, and that's nature. So that's why dogs are doing that. That's why your dog is trying to get under you or under a table or into a into an, a very narrow passage that he would never normally go. It's all because you have to be able to understand how the dog thinks. So if you want to look and say, okay, you know, I'm going to, um, you know, try to find, uh, you know, something to do to work with my dog. Well, that's fine. You can do that, but try to do it ahead of time. So now what do you do when you have a dog and your dog is terrified? Okay. The worst thing you can do is hug them and hold them and say, it's okay. Because the dog hears it's okay to be afraid. Now, with a child, with a human, it's pretty okay to do that because you're saying, oh, it's okay. And you, the child or the the adult understands, oh, it's okay. So it means that it's all right. It's like a permission, like, oh, okay. So you don't have to worry about it because it's okay. Don't have to worry about doing your homework tonight because it's okay. You don't have homework tonight, but not it's okay to be afraid and it's okay to be crawling under things and it's okay to give in to your fear because it's not. It's not okay for a fearful dog to be fearful because in nature, those dogs who are those real fearful ones would be killed and eaten by their competition because the dogs, the same way that people are able to you know, understand how like when a dog is afraid and the person goes up and the dog is afraid and it backs up or cowers, same thing. A dog knows that you can sense when it's afraid. That's why when a person is afraid, when a person is having a problem and they're afraid of dogs, their cortisol and their adrenaline is firing away there and the dog can smell that. That's what I do when I'm training a service dog. I'm training a dog on the hormones and chemicals that are in our bodies when we get fearful or we get upset or anxious, and that's what we do. We train the dogs that way. So, yes, so now you're talking about one dog maybe going after another dog who's anxious. So you have to first teach all the dogs in your home that, you know, I'm in charge. You don't have to worry about it. Not dominate the dog. I'm in charge. You listen to me. Yeah. You know, like yelling at him like the crazy, I know person, I won't name him, but he's absolutely out of his mind and he blames everything, everything on the people and he blames everything on pretty much everybody. And it's really not that the person's fault. It's more of thinking about it from a dog's perspective. So, Yes, the dog has to understand that you're in charge, but not like some kind of, you know, horrible czar or, or, you know, dictator, but really 
just teaching the dog, hey, I'm your mom or I'm your dad, and whatever you want, you can do. But these are the rules. We have rules, and our rules are you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. You can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Okay? And now, once you teach that what is okay and what is not okay, all of a sudden, the dog understands because you're speaking his language. He understands, oh, I get it. You don't want me to do this. And, you know, thinking about it, it's it's the same as cooking. You know, my husband, Captain Wolf, my husband was a phenomenal chef. And he always would say, you know, if, you know, how is that taste? I'd be like, it's fantastic. It's the best thing I ever had. And he would always say to me, well, how can I make it better? And I'd be like, I don't know. It's perfect. Well, how can I make it better? Thinking about it that way, how can you make things better? It doesn't matter that your dog is pretty well behaved. Make them better. Make them better. Because as my husband always used to say, it's just as easy to do something right as to do it wrong. It's just as easy to make it one way versus another that you're enjoying it more. And that's the same thing with dogs. Whatever it takes, you have to have that commitment. You have to have the consistency so that the dog understands absolutely without question that you're the parent, he's the child. Not you're Adolf Hitler and he's, you know, the the person that Hitler's killing or beating or abusing. You don't want to be that. You don't want to be the dictator. You want to be the parent age appropriate to what your dog is able to do and making sure that you're fair and that you're not going overboard on corrections or punishments. Dogs think in like literally three second increments like men do. So if the dog does something, let's say it has an accident in the house and you start yelling at it an hour later, the dog doesn't remember that it had an accident. And if you shove its face into the pee or poop, It doesn't say, oh, my gosh, I better not pee or poop again. It says, oh, my God, you're a lunatic. You stuffed stuffed my face into urine. Like, why would you do that? Or you stuffed my face into, you know, feces. Why would you do that? I don't trust you anymore. And that's why we have to be really careful when you do give any kind of correction. Make sure it's quick, done within three seconds of the action, five at the bare, at the absolute most, make sure it's quick. It's as small as you can make it um, without not being enough. And then it's over and then move on to something else good and try to get past what you had the problem with. I can't even believe it. Time flies. It's like unbelievable how quickly things go, but it's New Year's Eve and I am going to spend it with my 82,000 Rhodesian Ridgebacks and rescue dogs. I don't have 82,000. I don't have 82, but I have a lot. And you don't hear them barking. You might hear Wisp of D bunny dogs snoring in the background. But my assistant has been letting dogs out this entire time, um, taking them out. And you don't hear dogs barking because they're all happy. They all know what to do. They know where to go. And they understand that they don't have the responsibility that we all do because they don't own the house so they don't have to pay the mortgage. 
and they don't have to fend for themselves. We give them what they need, and it's a great feeling. So everybody have a good, happy, healthy, safe 2022. Hopefully we all make it the next four hours and six minutes into, uh, into the next year. And I pray that it is a better year next year, or at least not a worse year for everyone. May you all stay healthy. May you all have everything you want. And may you appreciate the things you have rather than complaining about the things you don't. Have a wonderful new year. Happy 2022. Have a great night.